Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain, where each episode we'll sit down with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry veterans to discuss innovation, technology, and the most exciting opportunities in trucking and logistics as we build the future of supply chain together. Be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Now, let's get into the show. Here's our host, Santosh Sankar. Hey, ladies and gents, welcome back to the Future Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar, and joining me today is Rich Tompkins, VP of Southeast Ops for Variable. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Before we kick this off, I'd love to level set the knowledge here, and some folks in our audience space might be familiar with Variable, but would love to get a quick overview of what you and the team are doing there. Yeah. Absolutely. So fundamentally, what we are is a digital manufacturing tool uh, to help businesses create more operational flexibility. And really what that looks like for us is creating an on-demand labor marketplace for manufacturing and distribution. So uh, really that two-sided marketplace model uh, that enables businesses to be more competitive, to have some more operational flexibility in how they are sourcing labor, as well as giving the other side of the marketplace, the workers or the operators in our context, visibility and opportunity to work in a variety of different environments. So playing into that uh, sharing economy model. Makes total sense. And I'd be curious, you know, how, how did you end up getting into the world of uh, supply chain? What's the Rich Tompkins story? Yeah. It's, um, so professional journey began, I guess, a little bit unbeknownst to me, but I was working for a number of different clients as a management consultant in my prior life. And uh, projects were primarily focused on you know, business process improvement, human capital strategy, digital transformation across a handful of different industries, but ultimately kind of gravitated more and more towards the supply chain focus of projects or working with those businesses that were kind of more on the logistics manufacturing side of the house. Uh, And I think take that and complement it a, a bit with a type A personality of, you know, being somebody who's always tinkering and testing and, you know, trying to be, efficient and productive as possible, um, you know, all kind of led me to this place of being excited about and interested in not only the supply chain world, but how technology helps optimize and improve processes and uh, the way businesses are operating. Sure, sure. So I guess putting ourselves in the mindset of a prospective customer, what are they usually grappling with or, or struggling with when they turn to you for a solution? I think it's fundamentally, you know, how to win in today's market when the world is moving really fast around them. And there's a lot of different challenges coming from all directions. So whether it's changing workforce preferences and demographics or increasing customer expectations or a lot of the mega trends uh, that are compounding on their business. Uh, I think a lot of it is trying to keep their head above water and trying to figure out how best to navigate a lot of these challenges that they're confronting. And where we step in is 
providing that lifeline and that really point of view on how to win in today's market. And we fundamentally believe that's about being more agile and flexible in their operations and enabling them to delight their customer to be as fast and as agile and as possible to increase their capital efficiency. And ultimately, what that looks like for us is how to better supply demand balance from a labor perspective, enabling them to you know, really, again, have maximized labor productivity and a um, cost structure that mirrors their demand movement. So at the core, it's uh, providing them a reliable, flexible workforce solution. Would that be the right way to sum it up here? Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. Is yeah, that that reliable source, but really unlocking that that potential for them to be flexible, to chase more orders, to be more competitive, uh, to be better protected in trough cycles, for example, when there is a downswing in demand. You know, maybe in a time like right now with COVID nineteen impacts, but yeah, exactly that is is to be competitive and as efficient as possible. How we're addressing that is through uh, labor enablement. How does that practically happen? I've I've seen it with assets. I'd be curious, you know, what what is variable built that allows this interesting scalability, both in times of surge and peak demand, as well as in times where there's frankly not enough work. So you, as a manufacturer, as a warehouser need to be able to offset some of that by reducing labor. What's what's practically there? That's a great question. What that looks like is really enabling businesses to treat labor as a true variable cost rather than a fixed cost, which is a lot of how businesses are treating it today. And so what we're enabling businesses to do is scale or flex labor up and down just in time with their demand movement. That's not only kind of in the the monthly increments that, you know, you might traditionally think about whether that's hiring model or a, a staffing model, but really enabling businesses to attack the daily and hourly demand changes that happen for them. And so for businesses who are able to scale up and down within hours notice to take on more work to bring in more labor, or just as quickly to drop down or to drop to zero uh, for that matter. That's like practically what businesses are able to do is be able to respond to those changes immediately, uh, just in time in a way that, again, helps them to maximize labor productivity and not have any sort of excess costs uh, hitting their books than what they need to have. How does that work? Is it that folks are employed by variable? Is it that they walk into the relationship knowing that it's very much, you know, what you'd find in the gig economy, drawing on one of the points you made earlier about similarities to the consumer world? What enables that scalability? Because folks might not always be available in in an hour's notice. Uh, Equally, they'd probably appreciate a, a week's notice if they're no longer required how do you bring that all together? Because it is very interesting, the premise you're enabling. Yeah. So all of the operators, workers uh, on our platform are all 1099 independent contractors. And 
the actual operator supply of workers on our platform is pretty significant uh, to the point where even some of that hours notice type of capacity is absolutely available to the businesses who work through variable. Um, so we had a recent situation uh, with the business that we work with who's they all of a sudden had a surge in demand and they needed to pick up a second shift. And they were able to do that within about a 30 minute period of time where they kind of posted work opportunities onto our platform and were able to have, I believe, 30 or 40 workers show up at their facility and help them stand up a second shift within a couple hours notice. So um, practically, it really is functioning that fast. And that's a testament to the available labor supply uh, that's on our platform, mm. but fundamentally that isn't being tapped into in a full-time job capacity. It's it's some people looking for some of that opportunistic here and there work yeah. as well as uh, full-time work potentially. So like the types of metrics that I guess your your customers get to maximize on, you you mentioned working capital, everything around cash efficiencies that obviously impacts the financials, but also just the fact that for a large chunk of the population, um, they almost are viewed as a employer of choice because they enable flexibility and working when I want to as a potential worker on the variable platform. Is, is that the right way to think through it? Yeah, that's, a, that's exactly right. It's part of the changing workforce demographics and preferences that uh, the flexibility is equally important on the operator side of the equation too, and wanting to be their own boss and to have kind of diverse set of experiences and opportunities and kind of work schedules that uh, complement and fit their life, whether that's, you know, because they're a student, they're a stay-at-home parent, they're a transitioning veteran, uh, whatever the case may be, um, you know, they're able to have a lot more control of their economic uh, earning opportunities. The one thing I've heard from folks who employ truck drivers, uh, folks on manufacturing line, pick and pack and warehouse has been that it's not always viewed as an industry where you could build a career. And I'd be curious your thought. Are there things that you help your workforce with as they think about, you know, in in regards to maybe you've served in in the armed forces, you're starting to transition back to a more routine uh, life as a private citizen? Are are there types of tools or or perspectives that, that you've seen or maybe offer in order to allow these people to build a career in some of these industries? Yeah, great question. From our point of view, it's all about removing barriers and increasing opportunities for individuals to take their career, to take their professional development where they want to at the pace that they want to. In maybe a status quo or kind of past environment, you've got you know, kind of the full-time worker option, the, the part-time worker option, or maybe you tap into some of these like gig opportunities, but hey, fundamentally, if you're if you're somebody who likes to work with their hands and work in a warehouse environment, um, then those options really haven't been available to you in a different capacity, and you maybe don't want to go sit in a 
sit in traffic all day and, um, you know, work for Uber or Lyft when you like the, the warehouse environment. So uh, by giving workers, operators uh, in our world, again, uh, exposure to a number of different opportunities, you know, different industries, different types of work, different schedules, uh, we're giving operators the ability to grow and progress their career in the direction that they want to at the pace that they want to. And that might be uh, working in a number of different uh, facility environments. It might be just working here and there to build their experience, but fundamentally allowing them to do it uh, on their own terms, on their own pace, in a way that, again, kind of complements their, their life and the speed with which they want to grow professionally in their career. Does this introduce for your customers those corporations that employed the operators or, or workers? Does it introduce this paradigm where they can actually think about labor planning, where they have a, a base load, if you would, of staff? And in during the holiday season or, you know, if you're a grocer in the current environment, when you hit these peaks, uh, you're able to then scale up to the peak, scale down off the peak using something like variable. That That's how people should be thinking about uh, their, their labor needs. Is that is that what you've observed? That's right. And I'll take it one step further, too, is not just a tool for addressing the the peaks and addressing the surges, but also, again, addressing the day-to-day, week-to-week type demand variability that exists too. So again, right now, businesses, as you well know, are largely staffing for averages. They're paying overtime. They're cutting hours. They're extending lead time. They're, they're tinkering with a lot of different levers that ultimately impact the business's ability to be more competitive, whether that's, you know, from a financial perspective or be more competitive in the sense of appealing to its customers, right? And uh, having as low a lead times as they possibly can um, and not compensating for a surge in demand by extending this. So what we're coaching is not only on businesses to kind of think about it in those peak times or surge times, but also think about it from a weekly basis or your Mondays and Tuesdays heavier than middle of the week or end of the week. And how are you compensating for that? And if you aren't doing that in a way that is as agile and as flexible as possible, then there's some waste there that we want to help businesses address and attack so that they can be as competitive as possible. Specifically talking about the day-to-day, week-to-week highs and lows, it'd be Great to have an example because I can think of some things when, you know, there's heavy volumes of inbound freight during, you know, the morning hours versus outbound in the afternoon hours. But I'd be curious what, what you've seen during the more routine course of business. A little bit of everything, but, um, you know, exactly to your point, you've got businesses who they get a lot of inbound containers in on Monday. So they have an additional anywhere from five to 15 operators who are just unloading containers in the morning and then that's it otherwise they were pulling people off pick pack lines to do that and then they were getting a a backlog of orders that was impacting their ability to ship things out on time early in the week now we've got other businesses conversely who are busier later in the week or they don't know when shipments are going to come in from port and as soon as they hear that the truck is on the way they're posting ops uh, work opportunities in our world and saying hey i need eight more people to help me unload this container. So my 
my core crew doesn't have to get off their machines and go help unload a container. Uh, so a ton of different interesting use cases all, all across the board like that that are that are fun to see. Businesses are getting creative with it. So yeah, it's been been neat to see that. As a VC who's invested in robotics, uh, I'd be curious your, your perspective. What's the role of automation in all of this? How how should people be thinking about, or what are your thoughts uh, more specifically about the future of man and machine, or or woman and machine, <laughs> if you would? Overall, automation is is best for you know, select tasks that are largely repeatable and where some of the deployment benefits aren't fully realized is due to that inability to, to handle variation or pivots uh, in the way that labor might be able to. And you think about it in the context of a lot of small and medium-sized manufacturers, like a, a lot of them aren't quite as gung-ho to, to allocate capital towards automation. Maybe they just don't have the money for it or can't build the, build the business case or um, there's kind of too much uncertainty in the future for them to be able to do that. So our point of view is that contrary to probably popular uh, belief that labor is the is the preference in, in terms of creating more agility and flexibility rather than taking on a pretty expensive uh, capital outlay in terms of robots or automation for for a large majority of manufacturers. Um, Granted, that's that's not the case for everybody. Some people have a little bit more money to work with, but mm-hmm. uh, for most of the businesses, and especially small, medium size, um, automation uh, can really only be as good as the business is able to have a more flexible labor solution to, to help complement some of those necessary required pivots. Sure, sure. I think that was well put. Along the same lines as as automation, I end up having conversations with folks who are responsible for manufacturing operations, warehousing, trucking. And the question always comes back to, I need to think about productivity, but I'm also sensitive to the fact that a lot of the folks on the front line don't want to feel like they're being watched or tracked. And this IoT solution is super interesting, but you know, how do I toe the line? Because it's definitely a line. I'd be curious, given that you know you you provide this pool of flexible labor, how have you been able to think about tracking productivity, ensuring you reward the folks that are super productive, coach the folks that are not, and also share that with your customers, to whom I'm sure is very important as well. Yeah, that's a great question, and I'll kind of segment it into from a variable perspective. Operators are rated by businesses based on a few different kind of performance measures, you know, quality and safety and timeliness and some things like that. And so there's kind of that real time, both feedback to the operator, but also visibility and transparency to the business about an operator's performance. And we think that's important and we think that's fair to reward those individuals who are showing up on time and doing good work and more power to them and, and they should be rewarded as such. And at the same time, for those individuals who, who aren't performing, um, let them know and give that feedback so that they can course correct and make the necessary improvements to, to get a better rating if they so choose. So in our world, that that's how the tracking acts. And as far as how a business 
kind of focuses on tracking productivity and monitoring movements. You know, it's obviously a kind of a business discretion and their discernment of what degree of kind of command and control and visibility they want to have or not. So ultimately up to them uh, in that respect. But uh, again, we're, we're all about businesses being competitive and improving labor productivity. And if people are in there to perform work, then man, there, there's a lot of really excited and eager and quality workers out there who, who would love to to go in and do work at these facilities. So uh, what we're doing is, is trying to promote those individuals who are trying to grow in their career and, and make the best of every opportunity that they have. Shifting gears a little bit, we've we've touched on the, the ongoing COVID-19 dynamics uh, as we've seen supply chains respond. Um, I'd be curious, you know, you're you're working with the the folks on the front line. How have you at Variable, how have your customers responded to the current labor situation? Because I, I would characterize it as lumpy. Not everybody uh, is benefiting, uh, but equally not everybody is totally hurting from it. So I, I'd, I'd be curious your, your views and perspective. It's been, frankly, pretty inspiring to watch some of these businesses pivot from you know, being a alcohol distillery to all of a sudden making hand sanitizer the next day and and working with a couple of businesses who have done that scenario I mentioned I alluded to earlier about standing up a second shift was a company who helps manufacture and recycle and sort primarily like healthcare uniforms and and clothes and so for them they were able to stand up a second shift overnight and so Seeing some of those examples have been really, really neat to see. Uh, again, businesses thinking creatively about uh, how to sustain volume and how to kind of provide those essential services. And at the same time, you know, other businesses who, you know, whether non-essential or demand is down, are are coaching to them right now is really about preparing to play offense. You know, there's there's a lot of pent up demand that's uh, about to be unleashed, and really using this time to be opportunistic or using this event as a catalyst to kind of unshackle themselves from the way they've always done it. Um, and I think now is you know, the right time for them to think about uh, how can we um, be as agile and flexible uh, as possible moving forward. So uh, a lot of different and unique and uh, interesting conversations happening all across the board with uh, the businesses that we work with. And what has been the approach or approaches you've observed in regards to securing these people? Because they, they're probably working in normal environments and in, in close quarters, maybe shoulder to shoulder uh, in a lot of cases. But have you seen certain precautions taken that maybe some folks in our listener base might be able to adopt? Or, or mature further? It's something where we defer to the business on on how they want to treat it. We've had uh, some businesses shut down their their entire facility for you know a day or a few days at a time to do cleaning and thereafter doing uh, some you know, temperature checks and additional precautions or using more PPE than what they were previously using. You know, maybe they just had uh, you know eye protection as a requirement and now they're using gloves and other things or um, some more mandatory check-in, check-out procedures, but uh, at sanitation stations. So um, 
again, a lot of kind of different tools and tactics and processes that people are trying to use and, you know, ultimately trying to make the, the best decisions possible for protecting their workforce, but keeping the wheels moving, um, especially for those essential businesses right now, knowing that product needs to, to get made and, and out the door. Yep. Well, with that, Rich, it was great having you on here. Wish you, the team, and all the operators in your network a uh, safe, healthy, <laughs> and sane period as you yeah. continue to uh, mobilize lines and, and warehouses. Look forward to seeing where the variable journey goes. Cheers. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. And be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.